0: This is my Bible, Bible. I believe believe. it is God Almighty Almighty in written form, form. and today Today. it will enter my heart, my my mind, my my emotions, emotions, and my body conforming me me to the image of Jesus, Jesus, to the glory glory of of the Father. Amen. I'll tell you what, it's so good to see everyone really is. Praise God. There's just a lot of things going on in the spirit. I'll tell you that. Glory to Jesus. A lot of things. Amen. Well, we've alluded to this title. uh, and We're talking about identity, intimacy, and power. And uh, we're going to elaborate on that today. We talked about authority last Sunday and said we were going to talk more about it. But I felt like the Lord kind of preempted that in some degree. And plus, it, it does go with authority. Intimacy goes with everything, amen. Identity, intimacy, and power. Um, you know the basic questions of life everybody asks. You know, who am I? What's my purpose, and where am I going? And we need to put it out there, amen. I like you uh, know simple tract. You know, who am I? You know, what is my purpose? Where am I going? I remember uh, I, think I was junior year in high school and. I think it was a sociology class. They said, write down who you are. And 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 i put down, you know, just very superficial. I'm a, you know, I'm runner, I'm this, I'm I'm that, you know, and I and I wasn't a Christian back then, never even heard of Jesus in the sense of, you know, being born again. But even when I wrote that down, I, I thought, man, there's gotta be more to it than that. You know what I'm saying? But we need, you know, to share with people. Because I'll tell you most people don't know who they are. They're searching for an identity that only Jesus can give. Amen? And that sounds simple, but I'll tell you what. The difference between heaven and hell is finding your identity. Amen? We need to tell people who God says they are. Glory to God. We need to to share with them what their purpose is. Glory to God. And where they're going. And that's eternal life. Amen? Glory to God. That's eternal life. Glory to Jesus. There's just, you know, we know the scripture, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I alone am the way. I am, I am the truth. I am the life. You know, and that's being challenged today by secular humanism, which are just demons, and saying there's many ways to God. Now, there's one way, and that's through Jesus. And every time we're there, Jim praises us all the time. And we eat or Bible study or whatever. There's only one way to the Father. We need to proclaim that. Amen? And there's there, only one way to enter into truth. And that's through Jesus because he is truth. Amen? And we've shared this many times and it bears repetition. Isaiah chapter 5, a prophecy regarding the last days, which I believe we're in to a definite degree. It says, evil will be seen as good. Mm, good will be seen as evil. Wow. That's pretty heavy duty. And we all see that. Amen. We're, dealing, you know, we're all dealing with that. But Dennis says, Jesus said, I am the life. He's not only the way, sometimes we can miss it. We know Jesus is the way, is the truth, but he's the life. Glory to God. And because he is life, only God can give you true and full identity, because only God's life. You can't give what you don't have. Nobody can give you a true identity because there's nobody other than Jesus that's life. No one. I don't care if it's a theology. I don't care if it's a religious deal. I don't care what it is. No one can give us true identity except Jesus. Amen. So, you know, in Genesis 126, when God says, let us make men in our image. I mean, he's giving mankind identity. He's given mankind identity. He said, Your identity is my image. Because when you understand it, man, God created us in His image, birthed us into His image. Man, I never get tired of saying this because... You can't downplay the new birth because it is birth. Religion cannot give birth. Only the Spirit of God can give birth. Amen? Religion couldn't put somebody in the womb of a virgin, but the Holy Ghost did. The Holy Ghost gave you and I birth, taking out our old nature and imparting the new nature. And sometimes we don't really get it that the reality that God is spirit and there is no way to have relationship with him outside of you becoming spirit. You can't worship God unless you worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. So we enter in and find the identity. We're going to get stronger and stronger into this as we go on. But you cannot downplay. You cannot. Man, I underestimate the power that your identity, glory to God, is not primarily in what you do, but it's in who you are. Right. Glory to Jesus. And so many people are trying to find their identity in what they do, and what you do is part of it. But when you see who you are, who glory to God, that's when you will overcome the enemy. Because see, the enemy is after your birthright. I said, he's after your birthright. Esau sold his birthright. Then he said, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die, which was a lie. Your feelings will accentuate and tell you things that are just not true. He said, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. Well, that was such a lie. I mean, I fasted different times, 10 days, whatever. I didn't die. You know what I'm saying? And most of you have as well. So he comes in and, and what for this? You know, lentil stew or whatever. You know, he sells his birthright. But you see, Satan, with every trial, he's trying to get you to sell your birthright. And if your birth, if you don't understand who you are, you enter in the letting the devil really destroy you regarding what you're going through rather than fighting through who you are. Isn't it interesting? The devil came to Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God, what was he doing? He was trying to mess with his identity. If you are the Son of God, then turn these rocks into bread. Man, you could feed a multitude. Don't you have compassion, Jesus? You've got people dying all around you. Man, turn the stones into bread and feed them. Well, first of all, Jesus didn't do that. All he needed to do was a few loaves and some fish, Should be wanted. Amen. But you see, he was trying to negate his identity. Mm. Jesus. Jesus said, it is written, man. It is written. I don't think he said man, but he said, it is written. <laughs> man, you know what I'm saying? It is written. No, it's not. man does not live. By bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, he brought it back to relationship. He brought it back to identity. When the devil can get you to focus on anything other than intimacy of relationship, he will have you. I know this is strong. But I'll tell you what, the Lord is just dealing with me and saying, you know what? It is all about intimacy. Those who know their God will do exploits. It is all about intimacy. Man, there's some people the Bible says in the last days they're gonna say, "Man, I did this, I did this, I went on a mission trip, I did this," and God said, "Yeah, but I never knew you." Wow, how's that possible? It is. You can get so caught up in fulfilling a role, you don't even know why you're doing it. Amen. So Satan comes again, man. He's again. I'm using man a lot. I don't know what to do with him today. All right. You know, so what happens is he, he brings them up to the pinnacle, of the temple, and says, hey, jump off the temple because the Bible says, he's quoting from Psalm 91, that you can just do this and you'll be, everything's all right. But see, he left out four words, in all thy ways. In all thy ways means in your natural daily routine. People don't go up in, t- in pinnacles and jump off buildings in their natural, you know what I'm saying? That's your Spider-Man or somebody, I don't know. But the bottom line is this. And what did Jesus say again, man? Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then again, man, he shows them all the glory of the world, man. You can have all this as if Jesus needed, he created the world, right? Man, I'll give you everything. You can have dominion. You can have power. Man, everything I can give it to you. i I tell you what, there's a lot of people on the earth. They have traded their soul, man, for power. And Jesus said, no, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. He brought it back to relationship. Amen? Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Glory to God. When God created us, Man, he, had a, he made a covenant with us. That's not talked about like it used to be. A covenant is when man between God and men, it's a covenant. It's a lot more dependent on God than us. think is a word in the Hebrew. It just means lopsided covenant. But man, you can run away from him, but he's not going to run away from you. Jesus. Man. So we want to enter in, you know, who you are to him. Man, you're a child of the living God. Mm. We say that so lightly. And we'll just look at what that entails. But again, it's not it's about what you do as much. When you enter into who you are, who he is to you, who you are to him, I, I tell you what, things will fall into line. Amen? They will fall into line. But as long as we're on, the, we get focused, on, man, on things other than Jesus. That's, that's why, man, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, you know, it's great that you cast out the demons, you heal the sick. But hey, remember this your names are written in the book of life, it's about relationship. Mm, Jesus. All right, go with me to Mark chapter 10, if you would. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, we're going to enter into some things that I believe are really going to help us. Glory to God. I believe God has taken us, really, this church and and, and, and to a different level in Jesus. I really believe that. There's some things going on that, I'll tell you what, mm, Jesus. Mark 10, 17. But the way we enter into growth, the way we enter into different phases of our life, Man, it's just through intimacy. Mark ten seventeen, And when he was come forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. And asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. He's saying, you know who I am. Amen. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, listen, listen to this, Jesus beholding him, loved him. See, Jesus doesn't do anything without beholding you and loving you. He does not ask you to do anything without letting you see his face. Man, here's the creator of the universe, the one who's going to die for him, he beholds him. Just like, what's that mean? It means just like to hold him through the through his eyes. And he loved him. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Whew, Jesus. So then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Wow. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross and follow me. Wow. I don't think Jesus was trying to take away all the guy's money. It's fine to be blessed. I think he was trying to find out where his heart was. I believe he was trying to show him what true identity is. So what was his response? Decisions determine destiny. A lot of people feel, man, you know, this guy was entrepreneurial. This guy was, man, he was gifted. Man. It's amazing. One decision can change your life. Man, it can catapult you under God trusting you. And, man, the anointing getting stronger and stronger. A wrong decision, man, it can mess you up. hmm Now God's gracious, I understand that he's merciful. At the same time, there are decisions that determine destiny. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. He had great possessions. Wow. Can I see something? The Spirit of God was there to cause this man to know when Jesus beheld him and loved him, that there was no one like Jesus. This man would be accountable for eternity if he ended up not receiving relationship with Jesus. But yet he went away grieved for his great possessions. Phew. Hmm. I tell you what, there is no one like Jesus. And we have to walk in the light of that. Letting him behold us and love us daily. Walking in that reality. Otherwise you can be grieved when he tells you to do something. And I can be grieved when he tells us to do something where there's a price. Mm. Jesus will never tell you to do something that does not bring you closer to him but he may grieve your flesh. Mm. I want you to pray an extra half hour for a certain nation. Oh, Jesus. You know, we don't say this, but it's like, man, Lord, I don't have time. And God's, God knows that when you do that, the glory is going to come. It's going to change everything in your life, whatever he's speaking. Amen. Glory to God. Now, see, the intimacy involved. Man, the intimacy. Here's the thing when I was meditating on this, it was the thing that came to me, and it came without in worship as well. He has such a need to love you. Jesus. He needs, in his sovereignty, he has such a need to express his love to you and me. He really does. Mm. It's a passion. And we're going to look at something towards the end of this that accentuates that truth. Truth. He has such a need for you to love him, and that sounds clicheish, perhaps. But I tell you what, it's not. I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm a very honest person. I'm definitely not into religion. If my obedience, I don't care if being obedient will get me a billion dollars. I don't care if being obedient would get me whatever. If my obedience didn't mean something to Jesus, I really couldn't give a flip. That's strong. Because I don't need to look good in someone's eyes. I need a relationship. Shh. I need him to need me. Religion says, I'll be obedient, and get away as much as I can, and I'll be obedient to the degree that it profits me. Relationship says, because you need my love. That causes a reaction in me to give it to you. We love him, why? Because he first loved us, right? Jesus. Glory to God. See, it's a different type of sermon with me, but everything I do, honestly, is in the context of intimacy. Everybody has different, bends, different things to share. But, in some ways it's different. But, the bottom line is that This is what we need to meditate on daily. When you get up, you get a tough day ahead of you. You know you do. Things aren't going your way during the day. They haven't been going well in the natural maybe for a week. Longer. What's your motivation? What's my motivation? It's got to be intimacy. Acts 13, they ministered unto the Lord. That has to be the number one priority in our lives. And it comes down to the relationship between you and God is the most intimate relationship that exists. I have an awesome relationship with my wife. I love my kids. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no relationship that is as intimate As your relationship with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean your relationship with your spouse isn't profoundly intimate with your kids or whatever. I tell you, because there's something about Jesus. There's something about Jesus. Man. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I think Kathy said something during worship. She said, first love, first place. Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So this this, this brings you into a different place. It causes you to enter into a different spirit. To be honest with you. It causes you to enter in, man, to understanding really what most people don't understand. Glory to God. You know, to be loved by Him fully gives you identity. It's amazing. You know, it is amazing. Let's get more specific in some things. Uh, John fifteen nine. This amazing verse. Jesus says this. I love you as much as I love the Father. I looked at that verse. I said, "Are you kidding me?" The Lord Jesus Christ and the Father, what is their love relationship like? How intimate is that? There's a song I want to get or play. I I think it's by Hillsong. I think it's like a billion stars or something. I, I mean, the enormity, the infinite glory of God is amazing. I mean, every day, there's a billion stars created. A billion stars. What's that there? Someone says it's in the context of equilibrium for the earth. I don't know. But I think it just shows us just how big God is. But man, he has, man, the relationship. But for him to say that? Wow. Why did he say it? Because he wants you to know it (laughs) and walk in the light of it. Glory to God. John 17, 23, we know the verse. Father says, I love you as much as I love my only begotten son. See, we can, it's one thing to say, yeah, I know that verse. It's another thing to be immersed in it. When we enter into a being immersed in the reality of intimacy, that's when receiving Becomes an easy yoke. Rather than a burden. Where we're trying to get God to do something that's already been done. Where we're trying to get God to move on our behalf. When in reality. He's already running to you. With a provision. Man there are more, there are more Christians. Than they, there are so many Christians have more faith in FedEx than they do in Jesus. They know when that package is supposed to come, they're looking, aren't they? They're looking for the FedEx guy. Man, you know what I'm saying? They're gonna get a package for their son or daughter. They're gonna get a package, maybe something they ordered that they lack. My gosh, they treat the FedEx guy like Jesus. They hug him when he comes, you know what I'm saying? Man, if we had, enough, if we had as much faith in Jesus as we do in the FedEx guy, we'd all be giants. Amen. Faith and expectation. Do you have more expectation when someone says they're going to bring you a package through FedEx than you do? That Jesus is going to come through for you in your time of need? Whew. Amen. Amen. Intimacy is the key to receiving. Because when you have his heart, you'll get his hand. The problem is many Christians are fighting to get his hand and never put their head between his shoulder blades. Whew, Jesus. Man, when Moses was giving out the blessings to the 12 tribes of Israel, I love this, comes to Benjamin. Benjamin in the Hebrew means one born through the right hand. That applies to all of us. We've been born through the one who's at the right hand of God. Amen. He said, and as for Benjamin, I'm going to give you some land. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be faithful to you. But he said, your blessing is this. That you might dwell between the shoulder blades of God. John leaned back and put his head right on the heart of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Man, I'm believing to raise the dead. I'm believing to do this and do that. I'm believing for increase, for real. But i tell you what I want more than anything. Is to put my head between the shoulder blades of God. Amen? Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to enter into this more and more. Glory to God. All right. Let's go to uh, Luke, the story of the prodigal. We know this story, but I feel like the Lord's leading us here. Glory to God. I think it's in Luke 16. Is that where it's at? Some of this I don't have written down. I'm just trying to go by the Spirit of God. Luke 15. Man. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Verse 11, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. So here's the, you know, this guy's prosperous. He's got two sons. Has two sons. And the younger son comes and says, you know what? I want my inheritance now with quite a bit of money. I'll tell you what. You know what I would have said to that son? You don't know. You don't not want to know what I would have said to that son. I, see, I, would, well, I, was, I would have conveyed, you got to be kidding me, right? You have got to be kidding me. He wouldn't have got a red penny. So, why did Jesus let him take the inheritance? Because he knew he was going to squander it. He knew he was going to take his hard work and money, what this guy and maybe his, his family has sowed to for generations. And he knew the Bible says he was going to squander it on riotous living. Which means through sexual sin, idolatry, and everything else you can think of. Why did he let him take it? Because he knew that eventually his money was going to run out. The world was going to lose its glimmer, his glitter. And he knew he'd find himself in a pig pen. And I think he knew that when he was in that pig pen, he was going to, the Bible says he would come to his senses. You know what your senses are? It's when men, common sense kicks in. Amen? And he says, man, the hired laborers, man, under my father, man, they have... More than I have. I know I can't enter into sonship, right? But I can go and be like a hired laborer. He comes back and the father had been looking for him every day. Whoo, Jesus runs to the runaway. Amen. Glory to God. He runs to the runaway. Glory to God. And the father's looking every day. Every day he's out there looking. He's praying. He's looking. And man, his son comes back. Smells like pigs. I mean, it's, it's horrendous. And he embraces him. In the midst of that stench. Puts a ring on his finger. Robe on him. Kills a fatted calf. Why? Why does he do that? Let him go squander all his money. Because he was more interested in the son finding his identity than he was in keeping his money. Sometimes God will let you and I go through some hard times until we look up. God was more interested in that boy finding his identity than he was in losing all the money. Mm. See, now he knows what life is. Life is where the Father is. Shh, I'm going to say that again. Life is where the Father is. And of course his elder brother was the real prodigal. Religious guy did everything right. Went to church Sundays and did his thing. But he's angry. Man, when somebody when you get angry cuz somebody gets blessed, when you get angry cuz someone gets saved, when you get angry cuz they were treated too good, something's not right. And he says, "Man, I know my younger brother. I know what he was doing. I know he was sleeping with. I know what he was doing. Not that that's right. He said, "Why? Why did you receive him like this? See, he never understood what relationship was about. He said, "Man, I've been I, all these years, I've done right. You've never done anything for me." And the father says, all that I've had is at your disposal. But because he didn't know the father's heart, he never had grace to enter in to what was his. Because he did not have his identity in the father. He had his identity in working for the father. Amen? I want to do the works of Jesus, but that's not my identity. My identity. My identity is being in love with Jesus. My identity is when it's harder. When he's asking me to do something hard, I'm as happy as when The provision is coming in abundance. Because it's not about. It's about him. Amen. And you you enter in the provision. Amen. Glory to Jesus. In uh, years ago. I've shared this before. But it, it bears repetition. Man. I was fasting. I was just fasting. There was no great need. I said, no, I just want to fast and get close to you. To get closer to you. Fasting's a good thing. We need to live fasted. But, so I fasted for three days. and I'll be honest with you. It was one of the worst fasts I've ever gone on. The only thing I got was hungry. For real. And you know, I, and i in the, you can it's, it's amazing how you could get into this religious thing. I did not sense God, not feel God. I felt worse after three. I was hungry, tired. And then I put on my religious deal. Thank you, oh, heavenly Father, for the privilege to fast for you. And even I'm thinking, he knows what I'm saying. It's like, I'm th- really what I'm thinking is, thank God this is over. I don't understand what happened. I just trust you. Hopefully something good happened. So after I did my religious bid, I heard the Lord say, one more day. I'm thinking, oh, gee. Then I got real. I said, Lord, it didn't work the first three. Why? If you can't do it three, why? You need another one? Seriously. I was not happy. I was tired. I was hungry. And I fasted 10 days before and there's a, and not got that hungry, but this time I was just hungry. Man alive. And uh, so I fasted the fourth day and I felt better, but not the greatest, to be honest with you. So I just did one of these things, you know, Kathy does this all the time ever since she's been saved. It's Opens the Bible, God loves you. Open the Bible, you know, you're my delight and stuff. I open the Bible and I come to genealogy, Some seriously. But I flipped open the Bible and it's like the word stood up on the page. Exodus 34 14. Let's read it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It changed my life. See, what we're, God's wanting to get across as never before. I believe that we're crossing over to something. I believe that God's taking us one phase to another. What verse? Exodus 34, 14. It says, for thou shalt worship no other God. Well, that's okay. But here's the deal, because for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. It's Yahweh Tenna, Q U E N N A. God who is jealous. We're not talking about a fleshly jealousy, I wish you know, I, you know that someone got a new house and I didn't get it. We're talking about a jealousy, a jealous love that says, you know what? I can't stand you being with somebody else above me. We're talking about a jealous love that says, you know what? I need you to want to be with me more than anybody else. Mm. Intrinsic to that word kenna is the word zeal, (coughs) Z-E-A-L. God is zealous towards us, passionate. Remember when he cleared out the temple? The apostles were reminded of the verse that the zeal for his house has eaten him up. He has a zeal for you and I that eats him up. He really, 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 really needs our love daily. You probably heard the story. It's a true story that I think it was a young lady, I think they were a college student. She was a college student. She made a commitment. To spend time with the Lord, I think, over lunch for like a half hour every day. And she did for a few days. And then for like the next rest of the semester, three months, she didn't, she didn't get there. And she had a vision. She saw Jesus was waiting for her every day. It, it, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah, Jesus. Two of the main ways I see people getting transformed. One is when they see the heart of God, first and foremost. Well, both of these are seeing the heart of God. This is strong stuff I'm sharing with you. I had a couple of guys I was discipling a while ago and both of them are ministers today. And uh, they were struggling with pornography. They're in their early 20s. So I said, you know, I went over to scriptures with them and different stuff. And I said, hey, guys, here's the deal. I'm not going to talk to you for two weeks. I just want you to seek God. And they did. And they came back separate. Once been, uh, a guy owned a house in a, in a church we were attending. And he let them use the house to just stay there for two weeks. Because they were on vacation. Another guy, he's just seeking God. And they both come back. These guys entered into something. They said, you know what? We're done with this, for real. They never went back to it. I said, well, tell me what happened. And then one guy says, man, I was in the book of Job, and I saw the verse, man, that Job made a covenant with his eyes, through your eyes. That's what, we have a program that deals with sexual abuse. That's where I got the name for it. Through his eyes. Man, you've been abused. You don't understand stuff. You've been tore up, man. It's not about figuring things out. The only thing that can cause you to get changed is to seeing the eyes of God. Because inside the eyes of God, man, there's infinite love. And the one guy said, man, I got a hold this verse. I, I saw the eyes of God, man. Weeping for me. Because I heard him. Other guy, I mean, didn't talk to each other. They went to the same college. He said, I got a hold of this verse in the book. Same verse. He said, I saw the eyes of Jesus. Shoo. I said, yeah, tell me about it. He just said, man, it was such love I've never experienced. I said, wow. Here's what's neat. These guys have never backslid. They both enter into ministry. But here's why. Because they didn't kick this through willpower. They didn't kick it out of fear. Although the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But that's just the beginning. They entered into victory. Out of intimacy. Unless he said that's the only thing that's going to get you by in these last days. Or any days. Lord, you got another heavy due experience. And... Uh, I was called. Uh, there's a pastor up in State College area. I was I doing some postmaster's work? We lived about an hour from State College or Penn State main campuses. Anyways, most people don't realize there's a lot of rural area in you know, Penn State. So I went up this little white church, and this guy's grandfather was a pastor, and he said he well, talked to my uh, grandson. He's sexual sin, whole deal. I said, so I said, yeah, I'll go up. He's sitting on the front row, and I'm sitting on the altar, and he doesn't want me to be there. Oh, man, he's angering me, seriously. I was about to give him the left foot of fellowship, truth be told. Gave him all the scriptures. He's like, I'm here, you know, but I don't want to be here. I said, so I'm about ready to leave, and I look over, and I will never forget this to my left. And I see Jesus. I have very few visions of Jesus. I see, and his face is so contorted. I'm like, what on earth? And then I got it. Okay, I said, this is, the, this is his reaction to this young man's sin. Wow, I'll never forget it. And I didn't tell him. I, a lot of times, I don't tell people what I see or even I pray. Because you got to see it for yourself. Now, I will tell you if it's necessary. Or I want someone to tell me when it's necessary. So I didn't say a word to him. As God is my witness, he, he jumped off that first road, knelt down right where the face of Jesus was. He entered into repentance. Like I've never seen. (sighs) Walking to Jesus. I never said a word to him. But I'm see, it's about relationship. Amen. Man, God, when you do well, Zephaniah 3:17, God, He He is so excited when you do well, when you're choosing Him, when you're blessed. Man, but Ephesians 4:30 says you can grieve him. See, that's about relationship. Amen. All right, let's look at some fruits of this real quick. Glory to Jesus. We we know this truth. The Bible conveys it emphatically. If you were the only person on the face of the earth that would have sinned, for real, Jesus would have died just for you. And I heard that many times and it's influenced my life. You know, he would have left the 99, right? Just for you. How's that possible? I mean, right now there's seven and a half billion people on the earth. So if you're, if you're the only person that would have ever sinned, Jesus would have died just for you? I believe that. I believe that. And that meant a lot to me. I actually shared a lot. And then a guy came to me. Actually, I think it was a guy who was discipling. And he said, You know what? I said, What? He said, I've been thinking about that, that if I was the only one, Jesus would have died for me. I said, yeah. He said, but you know what? He would have died for me with no guarantee that I would have accepted him. I said, wow. Puts another spin on it, doesn't it? Would he really have done that? Yeah, I believe that. I really believe that. All right, let's enter into a few things. Uh, thank you. Thank uh, you. When you're in intimacy, God runs to the sound of your voice, man. We don't hack in. He's running to meet our needs. He's not potential like God. He's kinetic. He's running to our voice. The biggest thing, he needs us to want him. But the amazing thing is, and we'll get into this more, but not right now. The open relationship is what he desires because, whew, man, he needs it. You know, people say, man, I want to hear God's voice in a real strong way. Amen. I want to enter into this word like Jesus did. Amen. I want to experience the presence of God like Jesus did, man, on a mount of transfiguration. Yeah, amen. But here's the kicker. He wants it more than you do. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Man. Again, it's identity. I'm not going to get into all this, but when you think of Elijah, you think of power, right? When you think of Elisha, you think of power. When I mention the name Gehazi, what do you think of? Probably, who's he? Who's he? Listen to this. Elijah was one of the greatest men of God that ever lived. A lot of people think he'll be one of the two witnesses in Revelation. Perhaps with Moses, Enoch, I don't know. Elijah discipled Elisha. He fathered right Elisha. And Elisha entered into a double, I mean, received a double portion of Elijah's spirit. That's amazing. So now Elisha has a double portion of Elijah's spirit on him, right? Doing twice the miracles. He's fathering Gehazi. But Gehazi never entered in. Why? Because man, when Naaman got healed, right? Naaman says, you know what? I'm going to give you gold. I'm going to give you silver. I'm going to give you chases of raiment. He's trying to pay for his healing. And Elisha says, no, man. No, I don't need, I'm not, nothing. I don't want anything from you. Because I want you to know, I didn't do this to get, I gave it to give. You you can't pay for this, right? So he, Gehazi takes off and follows Naaman. Elisha basically goes into town. And he says, my master, he lied out his teeth, he said he changed his mind. He wants some gold and silver. Changes of raiment. Can I tell you something? And then he comes back. It's, it's, it's pretty stupid, honestly, to lie when a prophet knows what you ate for breakfast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Probably not the greatest wisdom in the world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he comes back, he hides his gold and silver. And Elisha says, where were you, man? Where were you, Gehazi? Uh, My master, I was nowhere. Just praying, seeking God. (laughs) Elisha says, did my heart not go with me when you betrayed me? You know why he picked that up? Because he had a heart for Gehazi. See, church is about relationship. Hmm. I have a real problem with a lot of churches in the sense of trying to get things out of people, money in the wrong way. I believe in tithes and offerings. I'll teach that to help you. But I have a lot of problem when pastors and apostles, they're trying to get people to fulfill a role outside of relationship. I want to tell you something, that's wrong. I don't care how big the church is or small the church is. He said, did not my heart go with you? Church is about relationship, encouraging one another. When someone's struggling, not putting them down, lifting them up. Isn't it amazing? When we miss it, we want mercy. Somebody else misses it, we want judgment. I told you so. I knew they were going to fall. (laughs) Maybe that's why you did, because you said you should have prayed for them. No, church is about relationship, man. Glory to God. She said, you know, my heart go with you. Shh the house it was never the same he, he, was, he, he got restored but not to where he should have been let's close with just a few things okay? glory to Jesus hallelujah Jesus amen someone says this is strong you know why it's strong because our relationship with Jesus is for real go with me if you would to John 17 seems like I always end up there glory to God but I, I really believe, you know, it really is in the, this context. It really is appropriate. Isaiah forty nine sixteen seventeen. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? God says, "Well, let's look there real quick and see what time." Will, Lord, help us to get going here. Isaiah forty nine, I believe it is. Again, I'm going by the Spirit of God for some of this. <laughs> A lot of this, actually. Verse 15, can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget you, but I will never forget you. Behold, I have graven thee. Your picture upon the palms of my hands. You are continually before me. Wow. Wow, is that for real? I think so. It's real. as John 3, 16. It's the word of God. Well, Jesus is omnipotent. That's why he can do that, right? So he's got nail scars right on, palm, on his hands. I really believe this with every fiber of my being. that He's got a picture of you on the palms of his hands. I have no doubt. We do that, though. We, we put pictures up of our... Kids, grandkids on our mantle everywhere. It's in my wallet, you know. My gosh, you know what I'm saying? Wow. See, in the midst of trial, this is what we need to meditate on. And listen to this. Before the trial comes, this is what we need to meditate in. This is what we need to walk in. This is what we need to be immersed in. Glory to God. So when a ship starts filling out with water, we say, peace be still. And I believe the water went out. That's mm. why Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Amen. Perfect love, what? Casts out all fear. Amen. Verse 26. So much we could share. But let's just go to 26. These are really the last words that Jesus ever prayed. Now, on the cross, he said, forgive them. Sure. But in the context of prayer, these are, these are the last words you shared. Definitely he says, I have declared unto the men you've given me thy name. And again, the name the names intrinsic to God represent who He is forgiveness, love, purity, power, healing, blessing, on and on, right? So Jesus said, this is what it's all about, the code of many colors. Every one of those colors represents the virtue of God. And that's what Satan tried to destroy the code of many colors. He said, man, I manifested your heart. I showed these people who you were to them. And here's what it says. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to sit at the right hand, Father. I'm always praying this, but I'm going to keep on doing it and that's awesome because that's his heart to manifest his name, to manifest the heart of the Father. But see, the neatest thing is not just him doing that. It's why. So I will, I have declared it in thy name and will declare it and all those that believe, right? So that the love wherewith with you have loved me with. they so would experience the same love That I experienced when I walked the earth. It'd be in them and I in them. I have no doubt scripturally. But when you pray, when you have a need, just like Jesus had many needs, he walked, when they tried to kill him so many times, man, they brought him up to a high cliff. To throw him off of it, man. I mean, to kill him. They were, man, religious people will kill you, man. That's who did kill him. But he walked through their midst because, right, God was with them. I believe this with every fiber of my being, and it's what I'll declare more than anything else in my life. That when you pray, when you pray you get God's attention as much as Jesus did when he prayed. I want say that again. I have no doubt scripturally that when you pray, you get God's attention, undivided attention, equal to the attention that was given to Jesus. Because God, the Father, has a need to minister wholeness to you. Whatever we need. Sometimes it's conviction, sometimes it's mercy, sometimes only God knows. He he has a need to minister wholeness to you and I as much as He had a need. Jesus to be whole when he walked there. You don't think Jesus tried to? You don't think the devil tried to make Jesus sick? You don't think the devil tried to bring Jesus into impurity? You don't think the devil tried to bring Jesus into anxiety? You don't think the devil tried to destroy him? He's come to kill, rob, and destroy. That's the person who wanted to destroy most, right? I have no doubt of that. I believe that as we meditate on this. And the devil will come against you with condemnation, unworthiness, all kind of stuff. As we enter into this and cling to this and seek his face as we read this scripture or countless others, the devil cannot stop you. Because you make decisions that you need to make, I need to make. Perhaps most of all, will make the decision to enter into a faith that is so audacious, so powerful that we will receive from the Father like Jesus did. And that's how we'll do the works that Jesus did. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Father, uh, we give you praise. Uh if you're listening to this now and maybe you never heard the gospel in this fashion and you say, I want this Jesus. Man, you might have been put down by the church. And you say, I want this Jesus. Right now, don't put it off. Just say, Jesus, I want you. You're beholding me and loving me. And if, you follow, if you've gone away from God, say, I want to come back now. He will receive you.